Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day of your life. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is www.thementalhealthgym.com. It's your source of information for all things related to rejuvenating, positive psychology, and my approach to therapy, which I call goal-achieving psychotherapy. As those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast know, most of our podcasts are devoted to having really interesting guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and can help us in moving forward in the most effective manner to become the best versions of ourselves. Today's guest is no exception. In fact, it's somebody who I've really wanted to get on the podcast for a long time, and we're really happy to have Art Costello, who is the founder and the brains behind Expectation Therapy. Art is an author and speaker and successful entrepreneur. He offers wisdom as well as tangible tools for success that will boost your confidence, encourage your journey, and affirm you as you begin to enjoy the freer and more productive life that you've always longed for. Art lives in Austin, Texas with his wife, Beverly. He also has three grown children and five grandchildren. So we're a little behind you. We got two children and two grandchildren. Art's background includes serving as a Marine in Vietnam, playing college and semi-professional baseball, and working as a talent scout in the entertainment industry. As a counselor with Mercy Mental Health in San Diego, he has worked with the world-renowned play researcher, Dr. Stuart Brown. Art has a obviously very impressive background, a varied background, and we're really excited to have him with us. So Art, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Dr. Ron, I'm so happy to be here. We've met several times over the years, and neither one of us have, have been able to make the connection till today without getting on this podcast. So I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled also. Your rejuvenating idea is actually really the center of what I believe, because I believe when we rejuvenate ourselves daily, we do things that are extraordinary. That's how ordinary people do extraordinary things. And it's just great to explore all the ways that we can do that with you today. It is great to have somebody who is so enthusiastic and so active and is actually creeping up on me age-wise, too. So, uh, again, great to have you with us. I mentioned that you are the brains behind and, and actually the founder of Expectation Therapy. There are lots of therapies out there. Can you tell us exactly what it is? Expectation Therapy is literally a tool that is based on using your expectations to heal yourself, to rejuvenate yourself, to create the life that you want. How it came about was when I was nine years old, I was abandoned and I had to figure out life all on my own and I did it. I figured out how to get out of my circumstances 
ended up a Marine in Vietnam, another traumatic experience for many people. But I got through it very fluently and, and have always lived my life with the idea that I expect the best of myself. I expect the best of people around me. But what I learned to do that really made the difference is I learned to manage my expectations because you are not going to have all of your expectations met. It's impossible. We literally have thousands and thousands of expectations every day. Matter of fact, I always tell people every movement, everything that you do is based in an expectation, whether it be organic expectations. I mean, I've had people tell me, I don't have expectations. And I say, well, just take your hand and put it over your nose. Take your other hand and put it over your mouth. They say, well, I can't do that. I won't be able to breathe. I say, there's the expectation. <laughs> because if you've never been able to breathe, you know, if you've ever been in a situation like that, you will realize the power of expectation in, in your mind. It's everything that we do. Everything starts with an expectation and everything stops with an expectation. We either do it with positivity or we do it with negativity. But the choice is ours, how we choose to do it. And through the course of my life, I learned this. And my life went great for many, many years. I owned my own business. I did everything that I've always wanted to do because I always expect the best. I'm not afraid to try new things. I'm very vibrant and, and tackle things with enthusiasm. And, and I've really rejuvenated my life many times. I mean, from going from playing baseball, which was the love of my life and my youth, to uh, being a Marine, which was really another part where I learned discipline and structure in my life, and I needed it desperately. It's another way of rejuvenating yourself. No one would think of it that way, but it, for me, that was. It was how I rejuvenated. Getting into the entertainment business, I never had the intention of ever being in the entertainment business. But the opportunity arose, and I jumped on it. I found it so invigorating, so rejuvenating. And everything that I do, I tackle this with this enthusiasm and with this idea that it's transitional and that rejuvenating yourself is transition. That's how you transition. And if you bring this happiness to it, it's great. Well, everything went great for many, many years. I did everything I wanted to do. And then in 2003, the love of my life was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, my wife. 2006, she passed away and my world fell apart. Took me three years to really gather myself back up and heal and all that. But in the process of that healing and in that process of reinventing and rejuvenating myself at 60 years old, I learned a lot about expectation therapy because I started writing the book. And it's how I started healing myself from the really traumatic loss of Vicki. And what happened was, is that I just started really using the brain that God has given me and started just really processing all of the things about my successes and my failures. And out of that, I came with the conclusion that because I've always had positive expectations and I've always had this positive psychology behind me, that 
everything has always worked out just the way God intended it to work out. And it's just, it just flowed. Every word out of the book just, just came and just, I just kept writing and writing and writing. I started really getting into some physics work and I found when I had a physics class at college, I had heard of the formula for expectation. And I looked at that formula and I said, hmm, why couldn't we turn that into a behavioral formula? So I took the formula and started, and for those not familiar with the expectation theory that they have in physics, it's a three-step formula where you identify clarify it and solidify it. And what it does is it gives people who are doing experiments and doing different physics things a model to see the outcome of a problem. So I just took that three steps, identify, clarify, and solidify, and put it into this behavioral formula that I use with expectation therapy. And what we do is we do deep diving into people identifying really what they want, what it is down deep in their heart and soul that makes a a huge impact on what they want. Once they identify that and we know what it is, we start into what I call the clarification process where we, we just take it and we just start really delving into making sure that this is what it is and all of the elements that go into this, whatever you want. Then we take that to the next step, and this is a simplified explanation of it, but we take it to the next step, which is solidification, and we actually have you write a written plan, step-by-step of how to get to where you want to be. And it just works beautifully. For the one thing, if you look at it and you start identifying what you really want, it gets usually to the root causes of what is causing you unhappiness, what is causing your dismay. Because if everything starts with an expectation and ends with an expectation, how we look at those expectations really makes a huge difference. And when we can flip that switch from negativity to positivity and you can start taking the steps, and I mean baby steps, through it and you start seeing the positive results, that reinforces the behaviors that you're creating. And it's really very behavioral in nature with a real tinge of positive psychology in it because it just works and gets there. So I've been using it now for probably seven or eight years that really changed people's lives. And, and it's not only the individual, it starts changing your workplace. It changes everything when you change your expectations and learn how to manage them. It changes everything for you. It creates a happiness, a clarity within you that is very infectious to other people. I've shown businesses how to use positive expectations to change the culture of their business. And boy, do we ever need it today with this COVID thing going on. You know, we have a lot of people that are really hurting and they're in a state of flux. They don't know what to do. They don't know where they're going to go. They don't know if they have a job. This is the time when they need to have a really very good handle on their expectations and the direction that they want to take their life. So 
that's it in a nutshell. That's really a really clear formulation of it and much appreciated. But as you were doing it, I'm kind of thinking about some patients who I work with whose mindset is quite different than that and who might raise the question of where do you address what might go wrong to keep yourself from losing money, uh, putting yourself into the wrong situation? Or is it that your expectations are set so that you accept what the consequences are? You know, is it all, you know, positive Pollyanna or we deal with some real world stuff? It's definitely real world because, like I said, we don't ever know what's going to happen. And it can be a negative reaction to something or a positive reaction. But what makes all the difference is something you brought up, is your mindset. What I teach people to start doing is when something negative happens in their life, it is meant to teach them a lesson. And we learn by it and we flip it, that mindset, and keep it positive. The death of my wife is a prime example. I thought even up to the end, that she was going to beat cancer. But when she didn't, yes, I got depressed. I got hurt. I was angry. I went through all the grieving process. But in my mind, I kept flipping it back and saying, you know, she wanted me to be successful. She wanted me to be fruitful for my, for my children and grandchildren and all those things. You have to learn how to find the positives in a negative. And I do that, and I teach people to do that by taking it and letting them understand that this is a learning experience. Everything that happens to us in life is a learning experience. Life is never rosy. Vietnam wasn't rosy for me. Being abandoned as a child and having no one wasn't rosy for me. And I could have said at any point, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going just to let it overwhelm me. But the fight in me and the positivity in me has always been that no matter what comes to me, I'm able to overcome it. And that's the mindset that I have, that no matter what happens to me, I can overcome it. Whether I get cancer tomorrow or whether I have a stroke tomorrow, I just know that I'm going to do the best I can with what I have, with the abilities I have. Well, speaking of that, if you don't mind my sharing it. I know you've recently had back surgery, and from my understanding, it's been quite successful. And I'm wondering, you know, did you use your your theories, your thinking process to help? Obviously, you had a good surgeon, but uh, aside from that, how did that help you? Because, you know, many of us face uncertain uh, medical issues and are there some, some things you can help us to prepare for this stuff and to, even more importantly, handle the recovery in a more effect, in a most effective way? I did. I mean, I think that having the mindset of positivity and knowing that I was going to, I know I'm going to heal. And I know that the surgeon only had so much he can do. And I mean, you know what happened with my surgery, that they they did, we're going to do one thing, and they found something else. And when they removed it, it made all the difference in the world. But I got it. I was out of the recovery. When I got pushed into the recovery room, 
and the recovery room nurses were starting to work on me when I was coming out of anesthesia. One of the nurses said, well, how do you feel? And I said, whoa, I feel great. And she said to me, she said, it's probably too soon to get up. And I said, no, it's not. And God is my witness. In the OR, I got up off of the the OR table and, and took my first steps. I wouldn't say probably 20 minutes after my surgery was done. And I took and I started walking. They were going to keep me. They were going to keep me one day overnight in the hospital so they could start to get me moving. When the doc came in and saw me walking around in the OR, he said, you can go home. So I ended up going home the same day. I mean, my surgery was at 8 o'clock. At 10.30, I was up and walking and out coming home. Boy, that's that's amazing. And I do attribute it to having a positive mindset. Yeah, I would I, absolutely agree. I mean, I've had a, a few years ago, I had a hip replacement, and I knew that I wanted to get better. And I know that I had to fight with the nurses to some extent that day because I I didn't want to lie. I knew it was better to be up and walking needed a walker at that point but i knew that that it was better to be walking and i mean she said well you already had one walk today that that's all you really need and said no i i need this and uh went for physical therapy i did i guess the wrong things by taking steps one right after the other instead of going one and then bringing the other foot up and had the same experience they kicked me out because there was nothing there for the, for them to do. So I can certainly verify what your experience is, that if you bring a positive mindset to the situation, it doesn't guarantee that things won't go wrong, but it really increases the odds of things going right. Yeah, I think mindset is everything. Yeah, which leads me to, to a really kind of nagging question. I can't imagine, you know, having been raised in a loving home with two parents and so on. I can't imagine what it's like to be abandoned at nine and then to have some of your other experiences. In other words, if I were to think of somebody who built a theory based on a positive mindset, what's the ideal person that you would want to look at? Wouldn't necessarily say somebody who uh, uh, was abandoned at, at a young age went to Vietnam, things of this nature. I don't want you to share more than than what you want, but there had to be aspects of the journey that contributed to you developing this this approach and developing the, the concept of positive expectations. At nine years old, when I was so disappointed and so discouraged, I mean, I didn't know what it was, but I was so depressed at the time. And What had happened is my parents had moved us from a very urban area in New Jersey to an extremely rural farm that was dilapidated and torn down. I mean, we went from having a beautiful home to having a dump, living in a dump. And to this day, until my parents passed away, I had no idea what caused it, what happened to have that. All I know is that it did. And my dad went to the city, back to the city to work. And my mother had to take care of us and she went to work and she left her children to fend for themselves. 
on a farm with no neighbors. The nearest neighbor was about three miles away, was about 90 years old, and left us there. And my mother just never, ever gave us any direction, no expectations. I could have not gone to school. I could have not gone to any of that. But what I did do is that I, when I became so depressed, I went up to this hilltop that we had, and I loved walking up the top of this hill because you could look out over all the farmland, and it was just beautiful. And at nine, it became my refuge, and I would lay on my back, and I would ask God, because I was raised Catholic, so I believed in God and everything, and I laid on my back, and I had this conversation with God, and I asked, I can remember asking, what is going to become of me? Who, who am I going to become? What am I going to become? And I made this journey many, many, many times. And one day I was laying there and I'm looking in the sky and, and I'm really got tears in my eyes and the whole thing. And I asked, I said, God, what is it that you want? And I must have been about 11 or 12 by this time. And I asked, is what, what's going to happen? And I just heard something deep inside of me that just said, it's your job to just be the best that you can be and just do. Just become a doer. Don't sit back. And I came up and down that hill so many times that I really began to trust that voice inside of me. And it changed me. It really changed my mindset. And I stopped and started to say, how can I get out of this situation and what can I do? And that's how I ended up in the Marine Corps. Because when, when high school, I graduated from high school, I wanted to do something that I knew that I needed. And at nine or 10 or 12 or 13 or 14, it's incredible that I knew that I needed structure and discipline. And that's what the Marine Corps gave me. It gave me structure and discipline. It gave me pride in myself because up to that point, I, I really wasn't very proudful. I wasn't very, you know, I've never been a person with a large ego, but I still wanted to have pride in who I was and who my family was and all that. And I could never be proud of them because of the way that everybody was living. It wasn't what I wanted. And I guess it's just amazing and, and through the grace of God and faith and belief. I'm a big believer in having faith and belief, belief and hope. It just gave me this hope. And I just started working. I just started, always been a doer and just doing things and never fearful of trying something new. And I knew I would find my way. Listen, when I was in the music business, I had the best job in the world. I had the best job any man who is 24 or five years old could ever want. I had a beautiful car. I had a great apartment at the beach in California. And I met a young lady in San Diego who was beautiful. And I started dating her and I wanted to marry her. I asked her to marry me. And she said, I will not marry you unless you're out of the entertainment business because it's not what I think is conducive to having a family and being involved in all that. It's just too... You know, this was this late 60s, early 70s, and, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were, were, were kingpin then. And uh, she just said, I won't marry you. The next day, I walked into my employer. 
I handed in my car keys. I handed in my credit cards. I handed in my apartment keys because they paid for all that. All my salary just went in the bank. And I walked away from it and I went to San Diego and I told her, I said, I've walked away from it all. Will you marry me? And she said, yes. And we spent 38 years together before she died in my arms in 2006. So I just have faith that everything is always going to work out. And I work hard. I think the key to it, the key to anything, any successes that we have in life is hard work and not being fearful. Just working hard and everything will always work out. And understanding, I'm never going to be famous. I'm never going to be a movie star. I'm never going to be, be in movies or a recording star or anything like that. But you have to learn that happiness is more than having money. It's more than having this famous success. Happiness is inside of you when you know that you've lived with integrity, you live with great communication skills, and you live caring for others. That's my definition of happiness. And I will never be a failure. I'm not a failure in any sense of the word because I'm doing exactly what I want to do at any given moment in my life. Those are truly some words to live by. You're not ever going to be a failure if you live with integrity, with caring, good communication skills. That's probably something that everybody can really relate to as as something that's attainable. You know, we can all live with integrity. We can all improve our communication skills if they're not there yet. And certainly, you don't need a license to be caring for somebody else. Let me say this, Rhonda. It doesn't matter when you start. You can start this at 8 years old, 17 years old, 25 years old, or 85 years old. It will change your life when you start living what you want to do. That's why I talk about core expectations, because... Our core expectations, my three core expectations, number one, integrity. Number two, compassion. Number three, love. My three core expectations. Everything I do is based on those three core expectations. So much wisdom here. I'm so glad that you came on. But one of the things as you were discussing, you obviously were no stranger to reinventing yourself a few times. And I'm wondering, especially now during uh, COVID-19 days where people have lost jobs, where people who had not really been prepared to be in this situation of either being laid off or wondering if it's going to happen or wondering what's going to happen with their own health and so on. If somebody is in the position of having to start over, especially if they had nothing to do with why they're in this position, what should their expectations be of themselves and what are some of the behaviors they could be doing? Well, their expectations should be that this is temporary and that this is an opportunity. Look at this as an opportunity to become who you want to be. If you were unhappy in a position, you know, before, and you want to change careers, what a perfect time to do it. Because there's so much government subsidy right now to get you through it, for one thing. The other thing is, now, let's take the person who was extremely happy with the job, loved what they did, 
or were doing. And now they don't have a job. Maybe their employer is not going to reopen up. Maybe they've lost that opportunity. Isn't that a great opportunity to, to continue what your employer had? You already had the skill set to do it. Most people don't do what they want to do because they fear either loss or rejection or some kind of negative behavior that is attributed to all of those. You just got to go for it. Hey, you don't have a job. You're nowhere now. How much lower can you go? I mean, you can end up on the street. But if you start working towards those things that you really want and start, I mean, I'm working with people right now who never thought they were going to write books, who never thought they were going to start life coaching sessions with other people. I have somebody who really is enthusiastic about going and working and helping other people who have lost their thing, even though they've lost everything. They're helping other people, lifting other people up, and they're finding it so rewarding. And they're, they're going to work for nonprofits now. One person that I worked with just went to work with the police department as a, a, a negotiator on domestic violence things. I mean, there's so many different things that you can explore to do. Just don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. Just satisfy your heart's desire. You know, I mean, I always wanted to be a professional baseball player when I was three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old. That was my life, was baseball. I had to realize at some point I couldn't. But when I started, when I had the opportunity, I went back and started playing again. And all of a sudden, I found myself working into the semi-pro level, which I never thought was attainable. I had tryouts with the Dodgers and the Angels both. And I would have never thought I, I would ever be able to attain that again. But I started honing my skills in the Marine Corps playing baseball. I started honing my skills again in, in college playing baseball. And pretty soon there's an opportunity. So you just take them. When you see the opportunity, don't be afraid. Go for it. You have nothing to lose. Great. Well, as people have been listening, I'm sure that there are a number who will want to reach out to you. But I want to ask before I ask how to do that is, do you have like an ideal client or is there somebody that at some point, if they're realizing, hey, this is going on or I'm experiencing this, maybe expectation therapy can help. Is there something we should be experiencing to know that, hey, this should ring a bell, time to contact Art? My ideal client is really anyone who is in transition. Could be a high school student going into college. Could be a person going through divorce. Could be somebody who just lost their spouse. Anybody who is in transition and wants to rejuvenate themselves. <laughs> we can change their mindset. This is merely another tool to add to your life tool chest to help you cope with what the world is presenting to you. That's all it is. You know, I may have, should not have said it's expectation therapy. I should have called it expectation healing, expectation management. But really, for me, it was my therapy. It was how I healed myself. So that's really how the name came. It's just one of those things where uh, it's a tool that every coach, every psychologist, every Therapist, anybody can use this tool to help somebody heal and transition. 
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So what do you actually do then to uh, to spread the word? I mean, uh, other than being on this podcast, do you coach? Do you have podcasts? Do you, uh, we know about the book, which we'll talk about. But if somebody really wants to move forward with their lives and recognize that they need help with expectation, what is it that you do that that can help them? And is it an in-person thing? Is it online? Well, I guess I've asked as many ways as I can. <laughs> How about all the above? <laughs> I take limited coaching clients. I'm very limited in it, but we coach over Zoom calls and all that. Of course, with COVID right now, local people, we do we do meet. But we're going to start offering group sessions. But we have an online course that is coming out on August 27th. Audiobook is coming out August 21st. These are all tools that can help you. I recommend everybody to read the book, you know, because that will give you the foundation. We have a workbook that we use that people can do the workbook, which is what the online course is based on, but it's just more of a concrete and it goes into a little bit more depth in a lot of areas. We, we teach about emotional intelligence in the workbook. We teach about virtuous cycles. We teach a lot of other little tidbits that we do it in the online course, but it's a little bit more tangible and you can touch it, which some people prefer. So all of those things that we do, I've spoken at Harvard to the faculty, you know, about my ideas about expectations because I have such a unique take on on expectations and how they formulate in our mind and how we use them. You know, we're, we're going to do a lot of great things. I'm looking for graduate students that would like to do research into expectations and expectation therapy. And it's, uh, you know, to start getting some solid science behind it. We know it helps people. We just, you know, the scientific world, if you don't have the data, it doesn't, it don't count. <laughs> so... But I think the first step is what you've done. I think if you have the anecdotal success stories, then it gives you the uh, inspiration to get the data. Where do people get the book and how do they get in touch with you and how do they you know, register for a course or so on? Everything is, is on my website, which is uh, expectationtherapy.com. Actually links to my podcast, Shower Epiphanies, is on there. A link to the book is on there. A link to the course is on there. Of course, you can get a hold of me at art at expectationtherapy.com. And I am always here to help people. It's what God put me on the face of this earth to do is to, uh, to let you know that you don't have to be hopeless. You don't need to be helpless. And you don't need to be homeless. There is always a way if you're willing to work for it. A wonderful message. And I should also point out for those of us old timers that although the audiobook is coming out, that there also is a paperback version. And if for those who are semi old timers, the intermediate thing, there's an ebook version, I believe. So there's actually a hardback cover. A hardback? So you're ahead of me. I mind the soft <laughs> cover. But that's great. All right, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your being here. I learned a lot. I'm sure that my listeners did. It's 
critically important that we spread your message and get it out to the world. And I'm glad to have been part of that. So thanks very much for honoring us by being on Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm thankful that you invited me. Thanks a lot. So this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. We really appreciate our Costello's presence to add to our body of knowledge about positive psychology, human growth and potential, rejuvenating, and all kinds of things that help you to become the best version of yourself. Please subscribe, download, rate the podcast, and come back next time for another very interesting guest. Once again, my website is www.thementalhealthgym.com. Everybody stay safe, stay positive, listen to what Art had to say and implement it in your own life. Again, you don't need any special license to be able to have positive expectations, but it'll make all the difference in the world. Thanks again, and until next time, this is Ron Kaiser signing off. 